We've been uh, taking a couple weeks here to talk about prayer. Uh, last week, uh, we began to talk about uh, why prayer isn't as much of a priority in our lives as it should be. I mean, all of us know we probably should be praying more, and we always think we should be praying more, but a lot of times we, we don't, and then we kind of get guilty, and then we just kind of force it or whatever. Uh, we, we all know we should be praying more. And so we began to look at some of the reasons uh, why we don't pray as much as we should. And last week we looked at these two things. And that is the, the, the incorrect thinking that says, uh, God will work things out whether I pray or not. Or uh, the incorrect thinking that says, I can accomplish more through my own actions than through prayer. Uh, I mean, sometimes we just have this, this thinking that because God is all-powerful and because he loves me, that he's just going to do, you know, everything that's best for me anyway, so I don't really need to pray because God's powerful, and after all, everything that happens in this world and everything that happens in my life is God's will, so if I start praying, then it's going to be less than his will, and then so why should I pray? And uh, that's just not biblical thinking. That clearly, uh, in the Bible, all over the place, there are things that happen that are not God's will. Uh, things happen all the time in our lives that are not God's will. Uh, every time we sin, uh, that's not God's will. God's will is for you not to sin, and we do. And there are certain things that happen that are not God's will. And God has sovereignly set up this universe in, and as we talked about this last week, there, there are some things, whether we pray or not, that are going to happen, that are, that are set. But God has also set up this universe in a way that he works with us in accomplishing his will. And that we talked about the idea of a check with two signatures, that, that God wants his will to be done in our lives all the time. And he wants his will to be done in our church, in, in, in our marriage. He doesn't want our marriages falling apart. He doesn't want us walking around struggling. And he's already signed the check and says, I want this to happen. I want to bless you. But it's our prayers that is the other signature on the check which allows it to go through. That God works through prayer. And prayer really makes the difference. And we used that phrase last week that prayer changes the story. That there are time and time again in the scriptures and in my life and in your life where the story seems to be going this way and then we pray and all of a sudden the story goes this way and all of a sudden something great begins to happen. A prayer changes the story. There are a lot of times in our life, it doesn't matter how hard we work, how much we try to accomplish through our own strength, it's just not going to change the story. But prayer can. In fact, one more example before we move on to our topic today. You remember when Jesus was uh, out with his disciples? And his disciples had previously been trying to cast out a demon out of these, this, this, this boy, and they couldn't. Didn't matter how hard they tried, how much effort they put in, they just could not cast this demon out. And so it says after uh, Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only uh, come out only by prayer. In other words, the only way this, this, this demon was going to come out is by prayer. It didn't matter how much they worked at it, how much they tried to accomplish with their own effort. It was only by prayer. And there are a ton of situations, more than you all realize, where the only way it's going to happen, the only way the story is going to be changed is through prayer. God wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, but he has sovereignly set it up, but that a lot of times in order for his will to be done, it requires our prayer, that he works with us. And so that's what we talked about last week. Now, another issue uh, when it comes to prayer 
is, I mean, we, we've all had times when prayer is exciting and, and it's fun and maybe you're really experiencing the presence of God, but there are other times when it's just kind of, kind of boring, right? Uh, you, you get up and you open your Bible and you put it on the counter and you're trying to read and you're trying to pray and you're just like half sleeping and you feel like you're talking to the ceiling or, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're trying to pray and you start thinking about your bills and lunch later and you start thinking about all these things. You're like, oh, okay, I got to get back, back focused and you, and you strive and you try and you're just like, sometimes it's kind of boring. I mean, it's like, you ever, uh, maybe you've gone on a, imagine going on a date somewhere and you had to do all the talking, and they never said anything, I mean, you'd be like, what's the deal with that? Sometimes it feels like you're just kind of talking to the ceiling, and it's kind of kind of weird. You're like, this really is just kind of not working. And because sometimes prayer can be boring or filled with distractions, it often causes people to go in two directions. One is, some people just give up. They just say, well, prayer is really not my gift uh, I really can't stay focused. I'm always distracted. I guess, you know, prayers is not a thing. It doesn't really work anyways. And so they just don't pray much. So some people go that way. Maybe you're here and, and this is you. Uh, you just find it so hard and so difficult to pay attention. You get bored and, and you're just, you just, you don't, you don't pray much. Other people go the religious route. And they say, well, I know the Bible says i got to pray. And so they just, they just, 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 like, just got to work at it. They get, I'm going to make this happen. And they're like, okay, I'm going to pray. And anytime there's a distraction, it's like, oh, no. And, and after like 15 minutes, it's like they've been exercising for three hours. They just got through a marathon. Like, I did it. And, and the whole point of their prayer time is not actually to lift things up. To, I mean, they are. But it's just like, i got to get this done so I don't feel guilty that I didn't pray. At least because I prayed, I don't have to feel guilty about it. And I did my religious duty. I mean, some people end up there. But I mean, is this really the way it's supposed to be? I mean, we know that prayer is, is talking to the God of the universe, to a God who loves us incredibly. I mean, is it supposed to be boring and difficult and, and always being distracted? Let me say, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But we experience that sometimes. And, and so how can we improve that? How can we make more prayer more fresh and, and more desirable and more exciting? And there's a lot of answers to that. And maybe in your care groups this week, you could talk about that. What are some things that you do to, to help you make prayer fresh and, and more exciting? I mean, you can do things like journaling your prayers and your answers. You can pray with other people. I mean, you can speak out loud when you're praying instead of just inside your head. Because, I mean, how many people do you sit down with and just talk? Without saying anything. I mean, it helps sometimes just to, to say things out loud. Uh, a lot of different ways you can pray the scriptures and read and pray and read and pray. But I just felt like I wanted to talk about two things today that have been really helpful for me in uh, just making prayer more fun and desirable and, and, and not, not boring and not ending up like this. Uh, and the first one is this. That we need to maintain an unwavering belief that every prayer is accomplishing something. And I really think we totally underestimate the power of the statement and how this changes the way we pray. If you uh, approach your prayer time like, I just got to get this out of the way, uh, you know, prayer doesn't really work anyways, you know, God's big and he's going to accomplish his will anyways, and so then you just kind of pray. I mean, who likes wasting time? I mean, the last thing I like to do in my life is waste time. 
time. I mean, I like to accomplish things. And so uh, if someone gave me a rock and told me to keep rubbing it because one day you know, it's going to turn into you know, a million dollars or something, it wouldn't take very long to say, this isn't doing anything, I quit. I mean, if you think your prayers don't do anything or don't accomplish anything, you will pray very little. I mean, the amount of time you spend in prayer tells a lot about the theology of whether you believe prayer works or not. I mean, we could just, I saw this on Facebook a few weeks ago, and I snagged it, but I thought it was good. I mean, if I told uh, a couple of guys, hey, dig into this mountain, because if you keep digging, you're going to find diamonds and more than you could ever imagine. And so these two guys go to work, and they, they, they start digging. And after a while, one of them's like, this is, this is not doing anything. I've been digging all this time. I'm not getting anywhere. This is stupid. I give up. And, and he just walks away and, and doesn't dig anymore. Uh, but the other guy, he, he's convinced. He knows if I keep digging, there's diamonds. Uh, it's hard, and sometimes, you know, I'd maybe take a break, but I'm just going to keep digging because I just know there's diamonds. He is digging enthusiastically because he knows there's diamonds. The other guy gives up, gets bored, because he doubts that he's ever going to reach diamonds. And this is exactly with our prayers. If you approach your prayer time and you have any doubt that your prayers aren't going to do anything or what's the point, God's not going to hear them, uh, this isn't going to accomplish anything, I tell you right now, you are going to lose so much of your desire to pray. And a lot of times this is just even like subconscious that we don't even realize that, that we're living with a theology that says that prayer really doesn't work. I mean, if you find yourself not ever asking people to pray for you, or when someone says that you're praying with somebody, you just kind of, you're just, you know, what's this dumb? Or, you know, why would I ask for prayer? It just kind of shows you that you actually don't believe prayer does anything. And, you know, that's, you're, you're living outside of what it means to be a Christ follower. And, and let me just look at some verses, because this kind of bridges off what we talked about last week. I mean, John, James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It doesn't say the prayer of a righteous person doesn't do anything, uh, doesn't accomplish much. It says it's powerful and effective. Well, I'm not a righteous person. Well, if you belong to Jesus, you've been clothed in righteousness, and if you're trying to follow Jesus and you're probably pursuing righteous living, it, I mean, the point is that, that prayer is powerful and effective. And do you believe that? That, w that when you pray, that, that somehow God uses that prayer and accomplishes something every time you pray. There is no prayer that just ends up being totally void. And I'm not talking about prayers that say, you know, hey, God, uh, can you dump 30 Porsches in my yard in 20, 10 minutes? And we're talking about prayers that have to do with loving Jesus and loving people and being on mission, right? Every prayer does something. Uh, Paul says, uh, your prayers are a waste. That's not what he says. He says, you actually help us by your prayers. I mean, every time you pray, you're helping that person you pray for. Now, the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you do not believe that, you're just, you just, you know, God, I just pray for so-and-so, and I -so, okay, just did my religious duty, now I can go on with my day, or, you know, I prayed to that person because then I don't have to feel guilty, or when you pray, you're like, this is actually going to help this person. I may not see how, I may not know how, but I know when I utter these words, God is going to use them to help that person. I think that makes prayer so much more exciting. We actually know what's doing something, because, again, we don't want to waste time. We don't want to spend our time doing things that, that aren't accomplishing anything. But when you know it's actually helping somebody, 
This is the theology that must run through your mind every time you pray, that this prayer is actually doing something. Or Colossians. Epaphras, who is uh, one of you and a servant of uh, Christ Jesus, sends greetings. And it says, he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God. Now, isn't it God's will that we stand firm in the will of God? Of course it is. But somehow his prayers are helping them stand firm in the will of God because our prayers somehow join with God's desires and help accomplish his will. And mature and fully assured. And God wants us to be full and fully matured, but somehow his prayers were helping these people get there. And then he says this, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. And all he's doing is praying. He's not like sending them money. He's not like, you know, cleaning their houses or, you know, you know, doing whatever. He's actually just praying. And Paul says that guy is working hard for you. And he's accomplishing things just by praying. And do you believe that? When you're praying for someone, that you're actually helping them. That not just you're helping them sometimes and only every hundredth prayer, you know, God does something. But every time you pray for that person, there is kingdom power that's being released. That God is doing something. That his will is being accomplished more every time you pray. Man, if you really believe that, that your prayers do something to your marriage, that your prayers do something to us as a gathered church, that your prayers actually help me deliver the message, that your prayers actually can, can work in the lives of your kids. I mean, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I want to pray. And it becomes much more thrilling. Uh, some more. Uh, Paul said, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. Now, is it God's will that the message would be spread rapidly and honored? Well, duh, obviously. But somehow, prayer brings that about. Pray for us so the message might spread. That's God's desire, but somehow he has partnered with our prayers that when we pray, that it begins to happen. Again, we can't just say, you know, God's will is always done and he's just going to do his will anyways. That's, that's not how prayer works. Prayer partners with God in such a way that his will is often accomplished through our prayers. In other words, your prayers actually do something, really. We see this by Paul's life. I mean, if prayer didn't accomplish anything, if prayer was a waste of time, if God just would do what he was going to do, prayer, uh, uh, Paul was the most effective missionary who ever lived. He's the, probably the busiest guy you could ever meet. And yet, look at his prayer life. This is what he says in some of his letters. We have not stopped praying for you. Or we always thank God for all of you and continually Mention you in our prayers. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. Or we constantly pray for you. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Sometimes I wonder if that's why he was so effective. I mean, there are very few people I can actually say, I'm constantly praying for you. And night and day, I'm always praying for you. But Paul was doing that. Why? Because he had an unwavering belief that every one of his prayers was doing something. Every time you pray, it's doing something. 
And do you really believe that to your core? And, and, and this is, just check this. As soon as you begin to pray, am I praying with an unwavering belief that God is going to do something through this prayer? Or am I just praying out of religious duty? Am I just praying because I think I should? Or am I just praying because, you know, maybe God will do something if he rolls the lottery right? I mean, do you really believe this? To be a true follower of Christ, to live under the authority of the Bible, is to hold an unwavering belief that prayer actually works. So much so, now look at this when it comes to prayer. In Revelation, it says the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb, that's Jesus. Each one had a harp and were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Uh, and this just is kind of like a, a hyperbolic and a, a symbol of just how important our prayers are to God. That every one of our prayers is, is held in a bowl in heaven. And so this idea that, that God is, doesn't really care about my prayers or he lost that one or, you know. Hey, your prayers are so important that, that he holds them in bowls. That your prayers are so important that it helps accomplish God's will in our lives. Then I might say, well, hey, okay, so prayer is supposed to work and it's supposed to do all this thing. But I've been praying forever for this to happen in my life and i've been praying for 30 years you know for you know my son to come to jesus or whatever it might be and and you're like i don't think it works i mean i've been digging for a long time and it's not getting anywhere and so i've just been giving up and i don't pray much anymore because i prayed about that and never came about you know you know the story right well what about that good question right well let's go back to the guys digging digging for diamonds i don't know if i put that in there well i guess i didn't but uh I mean, the guy who gave up, he didn't realize that every time he swung the axe, he was actually getting closer to the diamonds. That every swing of that pick was actually accomplishing something because he's getting closer to the diamonds. And it's the same with prayer. I mean, we might have prayed for a long time, but every one of your prayers is accomplishing something. I mean, maybe someone is a thousand miles away from Jesus, and every time you pray, just, just a little bit of kingdom is released in their life, and, then, and they're coming closer and closer and closer. And, and that's what we've got to realize, that every one of our prayers works. The second point is that this world is more complicated than sometimes we think. If you can go up to the next slide there. We as Western Christians, Western civilization, we pretty much judge everything based off what we can see. Well, I don't see this prayer working, so it must not work. But the reality is that we as believers live in a different kind of reality. Look what Paul says. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That is, our struggle is not about all these things we can see around us with our physical eyes. He says, but the biggest battle is this. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is, that are the major battle going on is not even something we can see. So why is it we always judge the effectiveness of our prayers by what we can see? Well, I don't see it working, so it's not happening. Paul says the major part of our life, the biggest battle we, we face is actually something we, we don't see. So how do you know it's not working? And biblically, every one of your prayers is doing something in the heavenly realms. I mean, just because you're praying and it's not, you're not seeing a physical result, well, there's something going on, maybe in the spiritual realm, that you don't see. I mean, they're just mysteries. We don't know how all this works. I mean, there's just weird things in the Bible like this. I mean, Daniel is praying 
that God would give him insight. Help me understand this, he, he is saying. And then it says this. An angel appears to him and says, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, the words were heard. And so God heard the prayer right away. And he says this, and I have come in response to them, but the prince of Persia, which is like some sort of spiritual deity or force, uh, uh, the, the prince of Persian uh, kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. I mean, there's just something funky going on in the spiritual world that we fully can't explain, but it was delayed, the answer to his prayer. I mean, we don't always know why your prayer is not answered always the way. Because a lot of times we're praying things that we know are absolutely God's will, but it's not happening right away, and we don't know God's timing or what's going on in the spiritual realm. But, but all that is to say that don't judge the effectiveness of your prayers by what you see. Sometimes you see a result right away with your eyes. And you're like, that is an answer to prayer. And, and I've seen a lot of those in my life, and you've seen them in your life. But a lot of times, our prayers, they're working in a realm that we don't see. That when you're praying for a struggling marriage, there is something going on. A little bit of kingdom power is being released in that marriage. When you're praying for someone who doesn't know Jesus, there's something going on where God is at work. And I tell you, just, just work this into you. And just begin to practice every time you offer a prayer. Am I praying knowing that something's going to happen with this prayer? I mean, there is actually a house that I, I drive by every time on the way to church. And I always pray for the people. And, and I just know every time I pray for this place, God's going to do just a little bit more. A little bit of kingdom power is going to be released on that, that home. And, and I, just, I just know it. Because God is God who works through prayer. So if your prayer life is all... Uh, i got to get through this, you know, it's going to be boring, and I don't know if God's going to do anything. I mean, you're going to be bored out of your tree when it comes to prayer. But when you know it works, because it does work, when you know there's no wasted prayer, uh, it just makes all the difference in your prayer. Second thing, and maybe shorter, and that is this. Oh, I should read the rest of that. I'll just go on. Uh, uh, imagination. Uh, to use your imagination in your prayer time. Uh, the imagination, I define just as this, so you don't freak out. Uh, the ability to form mental images of things that are not present to other senses. And so it's just creating mental pictures of things that you cannot see. Using the imagination in your prayers. Now, some Christians kind of freak out about this because they say, well, the imagination is evil and horrible and, you know, New Age people use the imagination to go on shamanistic journeys and stuff. It's horrible, it's evil, it's awful. And it's like, you know, well, did you know I know a guy, a few people, who've used their hand to punch people with, and they've used their hand to steal stuff, and so the hand is evil, and we as Christians should never use our hands, ever, 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 because someone uses it for evil. I mean, well, duh. I mean, just because someone uses something for evil doesn't mean it's not good. In fact, uh, we know God created the imagination because it's just part of who we are. I mean, you cannot live without utilizing your imagination. I mean, if I say, how many shelves are in your refrigerator? You're probably going to picture your refrigerator, and I'm going to go one, two, three. There's three in my refrigerator, right? Or, you know, describe your kitchen to me. I mean, you can't do that without putting a, 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 an image in your mind. I mean, you know the old saying, don't think of a pink elephant. You're probably going to think of a pink elephant, right? 
I mean, we use our imagination all the time. In fact, God uses our imagination uh, because he speaks to our imagination. All, all, throughout the Bible, dreams and visions are talked about over 200 times, and that is simply God putting images into our imagination. Just a few examples, Zechariah. Uh, during the night, I had a vision and there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees. And so uh, God gives him these pictures of a man on a horse and this guy standing around these trees. In his mind, it's in his imagination. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Dreams are, are these mental pictures we have in our mind. Or, or Daniel. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it. And so obviously, it's in his mind that the imagination is a real gift that God has given us. And we as Western Christians have, in many ways, and in our society, because we watch so much TV and all these images are always given to us, we have lost the art of using the imagination. And this is one of the big reasons why so many people are distracted in prayer. Because when you're used to watching TV all the time, you have all these images going at you, and you're used to looking at things, and always these images, and then it comes to prayer, and you close your eyes, and all of a sudden you're just speaking words, and you're trying to keep your imagination blank, and all of a sudden, you know, lunch pops into your brain, you're like, ooh, a burger, and you're distracted, because your mind is always, your imagination is always wanting to fix on something. And if you try to pray with a blank imagination, of course you're going to be distracted, I mean, your mind's just going to be wandering to all kinds of things because God has given you your imagination for a purpose, and that is to put things in there, right? Uh, A.W. Tozer, who uh, is one of major uh, famous uh, pastor, he wrote a lot on prayer. He was actually given two honorary doctorate degrees for his work. He wrote an essay called The Value of the Sanctified Imagination, and, and here's just a couple things that he says. He says, like every other power belonging to us, the imagination may be either a blessing or a curse, depending altogether on how it's used. The value of the cleansed imagination in the sphere of religion lies in its power to perceive in natural things shadows of things spiritual. The weakness of the Pharisee in the days of old was his lack of imagination, or what amounted to the same thing, his refusal to let it enter the field of religion. He saw the text with its careful guarded theological definition, and he saw nothing beyond. In other words, it was all just, you know, uh, thinking and not, not, not any imagery. And then he says, a purified and spirit-controlled imagination is, however, quite another thing. And it is this I have in mind here. I long to see the imagination released from its prison and given to its proper place among the sons of the new creation. What I'm trying to describe here is the sacred gift of seeing. And then he says, the ability to peer beyond the veil and gaze with astonished wonder upon the beauties and mysteries of things holy and eternal. And here's the point. I believe our imagination was given to us as a gift of God to help us see a more true reality. Because often what we see with our eyes is not as true as what we can see with our imagination. Here's just an example. Uh, you're driving in your car, and you could have the, the, this is my reality, I'm driving in my car, I'm by myself, I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of bored on my tree listening to something. There's that reality which I can see with my eye, or I could see a more true reality in my imagination. I'm still driving in my car, I'm going along, but, but God is with me. 
Jesus is in the car with me. Now, what is actually a more true reality? The one that Jesus is with you because he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always with you. And so to use your imagination to actually bring uh, a better and more true reality in. In fact, they have done studies on this because there's two kinds of people. There are people when it comes to prayer who are always distracted, who find it boring, who give up really easy and don't pray a lot. And then there's another group of people who are, love prayer and, and, and are praying all the time and are very highly engaged. When it comes to worship, there's a group that stands there when we sing and they're like, oh, another song, you know, and they're kind of wandering and distracted. They're, they're never engaged in worship. They just get this over with because I want to hear the sermon because I actually can get something in my thinking. And then there's those who are more engaged in worship, that, that they're just honoring God and really connecting with what is doing. And here's what they have found in studies. The difference between this group and this group is that the group who is more engaged in prayer and worship are those who have been engaging their imagination, whether they realize it or not, and who are actually seeing with their imagination a more true reality. So here's some just examples. Okay, you can come to church here. You can sit there. The band starts playing along, and, you know, I come up here preaching, and so you're, what you see with your, your, your eyes is, okay, there's a bunch of people singing, cool, there's a talking head up there, oh, wonderful, you know, uh, and then that's it, and that's your reality. How fun is that? That's kind of cool, but how fun is that? But you can use your imagination to bring in a more true reality. That is God is here. Jesus is in this place. The glory of God is here wanting to work. And so you come into churches, you sing. In your imagination, you maybe, maybe picture Jesus here or the glory of God here. And all of a sudden, this, becomes, this has become a more true reality. Now you might say, that's fantasy land. Actually, the belief that you just come here to listen to a band and a talking head, that is fantasy land because that's not the true reality. God is here. And his glory is working. And I tell you, when you begin to utilize your imagination in prayer and worship, it really helps because your mind gets to fix on something. It's not distracted. I mean, during worship today, as we were singing Forever Rain, you know, I run into your, that, that's, I don't want to sing, but, you know, for me, I, I was picturing myself just running into the arms of Jesus and just being, thank you for everything you've done for me. And it, it was quite emotional. Now, you can say, I run into your arms when the song will be over, and this is, you know, really dumb, and, you know, I kind of sing, but it's, I'm being distracted. Or you can say, I've run into your arms, and using your imagination, this gift that God has given you to see that. Or when you're worshiping, to see Jesus just, just up on stage here, just saying, I bless you guys. And, I mean, it changes the way you worship. It changes the way you pray. When you begin to pray, and you sit at your kitchen table to, uh, to, to just picture Jesus being there with you. Because he is. I mean, I do this all the time in my car when I'm driving. You know, sometimes, like, maybe you think this is silly, but actually this is more of a real picture of how it is. I mean, sometimes I have my bag on my passenger seat, and I'll take my bag off and actually put it in the back because Jesus is sitting there, and, and, and I'll just talk to him. Now, you say, that's fantasy land. Actually, that's more of a true reality. You are living in fantasy land to think you're just sitting in the car by yourself and, you know, just bored out of your tree. But you can actually bring in a more true reality through the gift of the imagination. Or when you're praying for people. Uh, for instance, when I'm praying for a marriage, um, I actually often kind of picture in mind that couple just embracing each other and kissing each other. And then, then Jesus putting his arms around them and just giving them blessing. 
Because I, I know that's God's will for marriages is for them to thrive. When I am praying for someone who needs peace and is just going through a distraught time, I just picture Jesus coming and giving a big hug. Um, or when I'm just praying for blessing, maybe just the glory of God upon that person. But all of a sudden you're praying and, and, and Jesus is there and you're seeing these images in your mind, which you're praying, all of a sudden your mind is not distracted because it's actually engaged in what you're doing. And all of a sudden, your situation goes from fantasy land, I'm just by myself talking to the ceiling, I've actually just stepped in to the true reality that Jesus is here. And my prayers are actually doing something. That when I pray for that marriage, somehow they're just getting a little bit closer, even though I may not see with my eyes, they're just getting a little bit closer, and God's blessing is falling. I mean, prayer can get exciting. When you just actually really believe, hey, it's doing something, and when you don't just leave your mind blank, because when your mind is blank, it's going to go everywhere, but use your imagination to bring in a more real reality of the situation. So those are just a couple things. And again, maybe in your care groups this week, you can talk about more things you do to help you pay attention and help pray, make uh, prayer exciting. But there are no wasted prayers. And if you've been praying for 20 years for something, just keep praying. Because every one of your prayers is moving dirt. Every one of your prayers is actually doing something. And check yourself this week. Every time you pray, just ask yourself, do I really believe that this is accomplishing something? And as soon as you uh, catch yourself doubting, it's like, hey, you know, whack yourself in the head or something. It's like, this is not reality. This is accomplishing something. Uh, prayer really does work. Uh, the more we pray, man, the more you're going to see that just good things. I mean, God works through prayer. And we need to be a church of prayer. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you that um, you love us and that you care for us so deeply. Uh, God, I know that you desire to just dig deeper into our lives, into relationships, that we might experience your love and your grace and your power. And God, one of the ways you have done that is, is through prayer. And God, I, I pray that you might just work more powerfully through our prayers. God, I pray for those people in this room who have not been praying much because they've just been bored and they found it distracting, they find it hard work. I, I pray, God, they begin to, to utilize some of the things we've talked about today. God, that you would pour out refreshing on them and excitement, knowing, God, their prayers are doing something. God, I pray you'd help us to be a praying church. God, that we would be people who just throughout the day are talking to you and maybe using our imaginations that you're he right there at work with us and you're in the car with us and, and you're at home. Uh, uh, just, you're just always with us and we can just talk to you and love on you and, and serve you. And so God, we ask for your blessing upon us as, as a church. Uh, God, we ask that you'd be walking with us. I pray you'd help us to be just incredibly loving people and to love you and to love those around us this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. If